0: Welcome to Liquid Church Audio. The message you're about to enjoy was originally recorded live at Liquid Church by Pastor Tim Lucas. Liquid Church, living water for a thirsty world. For free video and more, visit us at liquidchurch.com. If we learn anything, God be with you, mighty warrior. And with you. I will begin by asking you a question. The theme is secrecy. Who can keep a secret? Raise your hand. I'll give you a secret. Lean in very close. Here it is, your warrior secret for today. Church alone will not grow you spiritually. Suck on that. I'll say it again. For those of you in the back, you got loose lips saying we're going to tell people a secret. Church alone will not grow you spiritually. And some of you are like, wait a minute, I, but I made the effort to be here. I got stuck in the green. Come on. I want That's why I'm here. I want to grow. I want to know God. I want, I want to change. But I'm sorry. It's just true. I need to tell you. Church alone will not grow you spiritually. That's our word of wisdom and secret insight today. Can you, can you, can you grasp that? Okay, let's pray. Thanks, God. No, I'm just, we're going to... I want to welcome you to week two of Warrior, in which we are looking at some of the ancient secrets of the spiritual life. And we're starting off with a key assumption, and this may be shocking to some of you, but the goal of the spiritual life is actually not to be a better person. Uh, it, it, spiritual life is not about, about you know, now I, now I uh, follow a set of rules, and I kind of keep my nose clean. I, I become a more moral person. That was, that's the goal. Nope, that's not the goal of the spiritual life according to scriptures. The goal of spiritual life is not even necessarily to be a better Christian. <laughs> Some people think that's what it is. It's kind of, I believe in God, and now I go to church, and now I kind of use my gifts. And as important as all that stuff is, Christian activity is not the point. In fact, lean in, the point is not even necessarily to just feel closer to God undoubtedly coming to church, worshiping here together. We're going to open his word and look at it. You will feel closer to God by being here, but it's a feeling and it will fade for some of you by 10 o'clock tomorrow. (laughs) No, no, the goal of the spiritual life, according to scripture is actually to have Jesus Christ himself formed or should I, should I say forged at the deepest places of our heart, actually to become a warrior. That's what this symbol actually means and translates to warrior. So in other words, whatever your circumstance or whatever situation you, you are going to confront this week, you will be able to respond with the power and the strength of Jesus Christ in you, not simply your own strength or your half hearted attempts to like, like do the right thing or even necessarily the Christian thing. Because Christianity isn't an invitation to a better life, but an invitation to a whole new way of living in this world as a what? As a warrior. It's actually about having the ultimate warrior formed in you And here's the secret. Church alone, it just won't do it. It will not form Christ in you. That is, unless you have a secret life with God, you will not reach your spiritual potential. It's funny. If you spend any time actually studying the life of Christ, you will notice that he actually didn't spend a lot of time in church or, or temple. It was part of his spiritual life, but it wasn't the core of it. It's not where he drew his strength. Rather, as we... Saw in our opening video, Jesus regularly withdrew to spend secret time alone with his father. Mark 135 describes it this way. It said, very early in the morning, while it was what? Still dark. Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Solitude. A secret place known only to you and God is foundational to the warrior way. Last week we looked at the art of integrity, and today we look at the twin art of secrecy, what it's like to actually cultivate a secret life with God. If you remember, we defined integrity as like who you are when no one's watching. But in some ways, the discipline of secrecy is what you do when no one's watching, when you're all alone, just you, and maybe your Heavenly Father. Would you, would you take out your training manual? It's right on the seat there. That's the Bible in your chair if you're new. And I want to invite you to open up to Matthew 6. Well, actually, this is an introduction, actually, to the Lord's Prayer, but it's really meaningful because Jesus kind of gives an incredible kind of invitation to all people who would follow after him or train after him. In Matthew 6.6, 6, this is the introduction Jesus gave to his fellow warriors before introducing the Lord's Prayer. He said, when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Now I'm going to show you up here. Take a look at this. This is the, the, the NET translation. There's a prominent word here and we're going to say it together. It says, whenever you pray, Jesus said, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father in secret and your father who sees in what secret will reward you. Would you circle that word secret? If you're taking notes, you can write this down. But the Greek word for secret, I'm going to teach you one word today, and the word is krupte. Can we say this? Krupte. That's the word for secret, and it literally means a hidden place that nobody can see. Literally. It refers to a a concealed or hidden part of your life that is hidden from everybody in public view, but only known to God. In krupte, in secret. Can we say it? Krupte. Here's the deal. If integrity is foundational to the way of the warrior, secrecy is the cement that holds it together. And the context here in Matthew 6 is that Jesus is literally training his disciples to be warriors, to actually be men and women of actual spiritual strength and integrity, and teaching them how to do battle with the world on a daily basis, how to, how to personally walk with God had to actually draw strength from him and let his power actually flow through you. And he says, whenever you pray, I'm assuming you pray, <laughs> go into your room, close the door and pray to your father and in secret. And your father who sees and coop will reward you. Do you have a coop Do you have a secret place where you go to be personally trained by God himself? I don't ask if you go to church. Do you have a, a secret life with your Heavenly Father that's actually hidden from public view, away from all the noise, where He actually gives you guidance and direction and forms Jesus Christ, His Son, in, in you? Because a, a krupte, a secret place, is central if you want to train as a warrior, if you want to mature spiritually. It actually doesn't happen in a big group at church like we have here, not even in mid-sized community like you might have in your, in your life group. But alone, just you, just God, encrudeate in secret. I want you to think about that for a minute. Think about the last time that you were alone, truly alone. Think about this week. When were you truly alone? And I don't, I don't, I don't mean like you know, vegging on the couch watching Dancing with the Stars. Okay, that's just sad. That's not secret. It's sad. <laughs> when, when were you alone? When was the when was the last time you took the time to encrudeate secrecy to get away to withdraw, just to listen to God's voice? And open your life to him, asking him to form and, and, and to guide you. Maybe you're a morning person, and, and you're like, well, you know, I, I kind of do that in the morning. I, I steal a few moments, you know? Um, you know, in the morning before the day begins. Maybe, maybe you throw a prayer out the window kind of as you're peeling out of Starbucks, you know, before work or school. Uh, you know, maybe mornings aren't quite secret. you got the kids, the chaos, all the screaming. Maybe you're a night owl. So it's like, oh, well, it's at night, at my crupte, my secret time comes at day's end. You know, I, I pray with God, you know, uh, you know, on my pillow, just like the psalmist. If he watches the other night, <sighs> maybe you have no idea what I'm talking about. Chances are, many of you can't think of a moment that you weren't in motion. Because that's just where we live. In his great book, The Life You've Always Wanted, John Ortberg notes, hurry is the great enemy of the spiritual life in our day. Hurry can destroy our souls. Hurry can keep us from living well. As Carl Jung wrote, hurry is not of the devil, hurry is the devil. And then he says something that just kind of rattled me. He said, for many of us, the great danger is not that we will renounce our faith. It's that we'll become so distracted, so rushed, and preoccupied with everyday life that we'll settle for a mediocre version of it. In other words the spiritual life can't be done at a sprint. It requires us to slow down and withdraw and croupte and cultivate a secret life with God and that takes time. Church alone will not form Christ in you. In fact, sometimes I think it actually brings out the devil. I want you to think about what it took for you to get here this morning. All right, think about that. If you're any of you with kids, okay, you know, even that, you know, if if your mornings are anything like ours on Sunday, it's anything but like Sabbath moment. No. It's this kind of insane, crazed rush, you know, get everybody dressed and everything. And it's like, you know, Wolf down here. I don't want to you know, all that battle is just like, you know, it's, and it's like, you know, get, get in the van, go, go, go. It's like getting the whole thing, you know. And they get in the van, and they, I got these are four-year-olds, it's just you know, I got two kids. And then it's like, you know, play the DVD player. And we're like, no, it's ten minutes at church, and then there's weeping and gnashing of teeth, you know. And then we get there, and then the green is closed. Ah, you know, and you gotta run in here. I drop them off at Liquid Kids, They got boogies going down. Sorry, Mr. Bobby, and uh, you know, grab coffee, enjoy the quick music, and then it's kind of like look at your watching even right right. now, you're thinking about, where are we going to lunch anyway? That is the frenetic, harried, frantic pace that most of us are on. It's the plane of distraction on which we live every day. And catch this, it is a treadmill to nowhere. You need something deeper, something quieter, where God actually has access to the inner you, the secret you, the unseen you. So he can speak to you, reshape you, and actually has your undivided attention. Because... The secret is this. God wants to train you in cryptae. Secrecy is at the heart of the warrior way. In fact, it is literally the secret out of which Jesus himself ministered powerfully. Look again at Mark 1, 35 from our opening video. Very early in the morning while it was still, what? Dark, Jesus got up. Which is to say, before the kids got up, <laughs> before he checked email, before he went to the office, went to class, returned phone calls, before he watched the sports highlights on ESPN, he got up, left the house, the rhythm of every day, and went off where? To a solitary place. That is to spend time in secret and krupte. Check this out. This is kind of interesting. That word krupte is actually not only a Greek word, it's an Eastern word. Krupte is used to refer to the secret chamber in an oriental house. You ever, go, you ever see like an oriental house like the pagodas and they have kind of a screen where it's kind of screened off and everything? That's a krupte. It's a secret chamber that was actually used for privacy, for like a private retreat from activity during the day. It's still used in Eastern cultures for like meditation and reflection. And Jesus himself regularly withdrew to secret places to do what? Talk with his father. To replenish his strength and receive direction for what laid ahead that day. Point, a secret personal life with God was the engine behind Jesus' life and ministry on earth. In fact, if you take time to trace Jesus' secret life with God throughout the Gospels, you're going to see a pattern emerge. I did this this week. This is absolutely fascinating. Would you turn to Matthew 14, just flip a few pages over here. Just take a look at this sequence from Jesus' daily life. It's interesting. In Matthew uh, 14, 13, we read that. It says, Jesus withdrew. By boat privately to a solitary place. And this is always kind of weird. You ever notice this? Like if you spend time watching Jesus, what he does is all of a sudden like he's out and all the crowds are pressing in and people are like, heal me, heal me. And all of a sudden he's like, I got to go. And like goes across a lake or up to a mountain. You're like, what was that all about? And then all of a sudden, like a display of his power. Then all of a sudden, like good night, He leaves. And this happens over and over again. And you see here, he withdrew by a boat privately to a krupte, a secret solitary place, disconnected from the crowd, no clamor, one-on-one time with his father. Now watch. What is the heading of this? What happens after he spends time alone in, in secret place with God? What happens? Jesus what? Feeds the five thousand. There is this outpouring, this display of divine power. He actually withdraws and then engages. And God's power comes out through him. He gathers in secret with his Father and engages in this divine display, 5,000 people in need. You see this connection, a miracle of exponential impact flowing out of group day, his secret time with God. Now watch this, skip 10 verses ahead, look at verse 23. Again, it says, Jesus withdrew to a secret place. It said, and when he had sent the multitudes away, because now everybody's, everybody's crowding in, they're like, oh my gosh, free fish. He went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. And when evening came, he was there what? Alone. Most of us hate being alone. (laughs) We would do anything to avoid it. But catch what's going on here. Jesus used solitude to bookend his day. In the early morning, while it was still dark, he went out by himself. At the end of the day, he was alone. Like us, he was undoubtedly depleted by day's end. But do you notice what this actually says he did not do? It doesn't say, when evening came... He went home and watched a rerun of heroes on his DVR and recharged. Rather, he withdrew in day to a secret place to decompress the day with his father. And what's the result? What does he do next? Look at the heading. What does it say? Jesus what? He walks on water. If you spend any time studying the life of Christ, you will notice there is a repeat pattern over and over and over again. It is like there's this divine rhythm to his life. It's like engage, withdraw. Engage, withdraw. Wax on, wax off. <laughs> he spent time in crypte, secrecy, was a source of strength to not only obey his father, but minister powerfully to the other people in his life. It was a habit. It was a daily discipline, if you will. Luke actually writes, Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Let me ask, do you have a, you have a secret life, known only to you and God, a regular place where your God actually has full access to you, away from the distractions, all the noise, all the activity of everyday life, so He can train you and remake you in His image. I did now notice what I'm not asking. I didn't say, do you go to church? I didn't say that. <laughs> do you have a do you have a secret life with God? I didn't say. Do you, do, you, do you say a quick prayer in the morning? Do you read the inspirational emails or the verse of the day your parents send you? Do you read that? I'm not asking that. I'm saying, do you have a place where you meet with God and croupte and he changes you? Do you have a secret place like Jesus? I do. It's actually part of my life that I have rarely shared. <laughs> not a lot of people know about it. Maybe only my wife. But today... I want to share it with you. I've been coming to this stone retreat for a couple of years, early in the morning. It's beautiful. There's, there's something about being outside before the day even starts, away from the distractions. I can't do it, you know, in my house where it's the craziness of the kids and the television and the phone and the emails all start. So I, I come here early before the day even begins. I come, I come to meet with God. I don't bring a lot of stuff. Usually, it's just me. Part of my secret life with God involves worship. If you spend a lot of time in church, you begin thinking worship's all about music. And I guess it is. Um, sometimes I actually bring my iPod here. I put it on, and I probably look like a madman walking through these trees, but I actually spend time, just me and God, audience of one, worshiping. It's a great way to start my day because it reminds me, it ain't all about me. The day is about what God wants to do through me. And it just kind of orients me to realize he's God and I'm not. I don't say a lot while I'm here. Mainly it's about being quiet. I spend a lot of time in silence. It's a big part of my secret life with God, just kind of being quiet so i can hear his voice being still just being is a part of the discipline of secrecy what i pray it's not like uh sitting down in some sort of formula like dear lord i pray heavenly father it's actually more conversational i find that in the morning a lot of times i have a million things swimming in my head that have to happen this day to do lists and all that I found it's really helpful actually just to share it with God and let him sort it out. So I spend a lot of time just kind of laying before him, what's in my heart, what's on my, my mind and in my life. And I pray for people in my life who need help or strength or difficult circumstances or stuff I'm going to face during the day. I actually give it to him and say, God, you've got to take care of this and show up today or I'm sunk. A lot of the secret life is about surrender. More often than not, God meets me here. It's our little secret. I can't count the number of times God's given me specific direction or insight into a situation that I was facing in my life. I remember this one time there was somebody I was pretty sure needed to apologize to me because they'd hurt me. And I spent some time here in secret and God starts opening up his, his word and I realized it was actually me who needed to apologize. Secrecy is all about opening up your heart so God can plant his truth there in secret, in private, in your life so many times I get overwhelmed by what others in my life are going through you know my dad's cancer some friends of ours are struggling with infertility another's relationship is is falling apart and I get overwhelmed by that stuff all the time when when I didn't have a secret life with God it was like I either got crushed under the weight of that stuff carrying it myself or I didn't do anything because it was just too much but A Secret Life with God is actually about, beginning of the day, turning those people over to God for His care. The Secret Life is about freedom. It's about saying, God is God and I'm not. Thank God. Actually my role is to simply bring those people who God cares about and puts on my heart before God and releasing them to Him, knowing only He can care for them and meet them right where they are. But my job is to simply offer them to Him in prayer. It's about freedom. To be still, to be silent, to be available in secret to God. This is my secret place with God. I guess it's not that much of a secret anymore. Every person, every warrior needs a secret place with God. Do you have one? Where is it? Remember, God is waiting to meet you There. Do you have a secret place that you meet with God? Do you have a a croupé? If you don't, you will not grow to your full spiritual potential. You You will hit a ceiling in your spiritual growth. Going to church will only take you so far. Joining a life group is essential. Community is essential to growth. But solitude, cultivating a secret life with God is essential if you are going to mature spiritually. And let me try to define that for you, spiritual maturity, because there's lots of, of definitions of that. Most people think spiritual maturity is about Bible knowledge, how much you know. Can I unsheath the word? Or about how much you do at church, but it misses the point. Because spiritual maturity at its core is about this. Behold, the spoon of destiny. You're like, what in the world is that spoon? Think about this. You want to know what spiritual maturity is? It answers the question, who feeds you spiritually? In other words, the most basic level of spiritual maturity is being fed by somebody. That's what we do here in church. We, we, we open up the scriptures so we can feed you. Okay? Okay. In in your life group, you talk to one another and and a leader helps open up and and, and feeds you. Maybe you listen to to radio and you listen to teaching and say, that was a great message, You're, you're, you're being fed. So you'll be nourished that way, but here's the deal. That's the beginning point, being fed by others, because the next level of spiritual maturity is actually learning to what? Yeah, feed yourself. Where you actually aren't depending on the teaching of others as the primary means of nourishment. It's still important. But you actually at some point have to learn how to actually open up the Bible in God's presence and begin wrestling with him to hear his voice through his word and actually taking it into yourself. And that takes time. That's that's a hard thing to learn to do, right? My four-year-old boy, he's just learning to use his utensils. It is not pretty. But Colleen and I are sticking with it Because dinner with Dell looks like a nightmare on Elm Street It's like everywhere He doesn't know how to do it yet But we're like, we're sticking with this thing Because we, we know that if he's going to mature If he's going to grow the way God designed him to do He's got to learn, this boy's got to learn to feed himself Because you know what? We can't keep doing Here comes the airplane Open the hangar forever Or something in him will, will, will stop But won't, won't grow Same point If you desire to grow deeper spiritually, at some point you will have to learn how to feed yourself daily. Actually chew on God's word and let it shape you through meditation, through study. It's spending time alone actually in prayer. Not with a list of of just prayers, but listening actually. Can I hear God's voice in my life applied to, to me? That's how you feed yourself. And if you're wondering what the, what the highest mark of spiritual maturity is, it's actually learning what? To feed others. That's, that's what people in our, our church leadership do. It's not because they're super qualified, but they've simply demonstrated that they actually feed themselves during the week. They come here to be nourished and challenged on Sundays. But out of the overflow of that, that, that feeding, they've learned to feed others. So they, so they lead your group, so they lead worship, or they teach a class, or they lead a ministry. Now, here's the deal. All of us are at different points on this spectrum, and that's totally okay. Totally okay. That is a sign of health. Some of you, maybe you are making a first step back to church after some time away, and you're just coming here as a huge win. To actually be fed, because you're like, I've been starving for a while. This is amazing. That is an awesome first step. Bravo, you have come to the right place. But some of us are stalled, because you can't make the mistake of mistaking public worship on Sunday as the main course that's supposed to sustain you through next Sunday. It's not. It's <laughs> not. You will starve if you just go Sunday to Sunday, gorge, 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 fast, fast, fast. For six. It's not, that's why you're not growing. You're not eating. There is a time to grow up, and, may, and maybe this follows it. My question, where, where are you on this continuum, okay? Where would you place yourself right now? There are about 100 days left between now and the end of the year, about 100 days. My question would be, would you, would you consider using that 100 days to take one step, up in your spiritual maturity. Maybe maybe it's to go from, from, from being fed to feeding yourself. Or maybe you, you are, you, you're used to feeding yourself. You're actually well-nourished. But now maybe it's actually stepping out to feed others and, and, and lead a group or something. I mean, if Christ himself needed secret time alone with his Father to gain strength and nourishment for living, is it possible that we don't? I mean, I want you to think about this. Before Jesus began his public ministry, where did he spend 40 days? Where did he go? The desert, and krupte, alone in solitude, with his father, and then literally what follows it? Spiritual warfare. When Jesus faced big decisions, like choosing his 12 disciples, what do you do when you're facing a huge decision? What did Jesus do? Where did he go? Look at Luke 6, 12. He says, Jesus went to to mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. And when morning came, he called his disciples to him. And chose 12 of them, hours away with the Father, and then you, 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 not you, sorry, James, you, (laughs) and you, Judas, I'll keep my eye on you. Jesus, at every moment of his life, had this divine pattern of engaging, and then withdrawing, and croup when we're facing a decision, and I understand many of you are facing a huge decision. Maybe you're confused or you're cloudy on what to do next in your relationship, your job, or whatever. Some of you are in that spot right now. Most often, by default, what do we do? We invite other voices in. If i got issues, I want to go talk to a friend about it. I want to get a book that kind of speaks to this thing. I want to, I'm going to post my need on Facebook. What do you think? We engage. <laughs> But Jesus, when he's facing a huge decision, he withdraws in secret to spend time listening to one voice alone, his father. See, every serious follower of Jesus Christ has to cultivate a secret life with God because it's the divine invitation he makes us. That's how you actually cultivate the life of a warrior. I I love Matthew 6 because, uh, listen to the way the message translation renders Matthew 6, 6. This is amazing. He says, here's what I want you to do, Jesus said. Find a quiet, secluded place. Put this up there for people to read. Find a quiet, secluded place, a croup day. So you won't be tempted to role play before God. What do I do there? Just be there as simply and honestly as you can manage. It's going to take time. But the focus will shift from you to God. And you will begin to sense his grace. That's the message translation. It's amazing. It actually then goes on. It says, the world is full of so-called prayer warriors who are prayer ignorant It says they're full of formulas and programs and device peddling techniques for getting what you want from God. That's what we think a lot of times it's about, like God's going to get, it's about what he can do for me. Uh, Ah, don't fall for that nonsense. And then it says, this is your father you are dealing with, and he knows better than you what you need. In other words, we grow as warriors by spending time alone with our father in secret, not saying, can you do this for me, God? It's just actually saying, no, no, God, how I'm here at the beginning of my day. How can I serve you because you are my master you are my creator, you are my Abba, and you know better than I do even what I need for today. That's why I go to that stone retreat every week. I meet God there. That's our, that's our secret place. Don't try to find it, by the way, okay? <laughs> I had like three people ask last week, just like, I know what that is. Don't, don't, don't do that. I can't count the times that God has ministered his grace and truth to me in secret and I've walked away changed. I mean, I have gone to that stone retreat, one person thinking about one thing and convinced that I know what I need to do and I have left completely changed. I remember one time I had this conflict. Actually, I was pretty hot and bothered with someone at, actually at work. I won't say who, Tom Kang. And I know, <laughs> not really, but I, but I know if I hadn't stopped, I was like, oh, all right, I'm running. All right, I'll go spend some time. All right. I, if I hadn't stopped to spend time in secret with God before going to talk to them, I know exactly what would have happened uh, now. I look back on that. My anger would have leaked out. I would have overreacted and poured fuel on the fire. But I spent, I started meditating on, on Scripture. And right now I'm reading through Proverbs. And all of a sudden God starts speaking to me gently. And all of a sudden I'm reading about how Christ forgave me. And we are to forgive others. And I'm like too hot in here. Sometimes we don't want to open our Bible because we think either a God has nothing to say. I don't know. I'm reading this thing about slaughtering goats doesn't apply to me. I don't know who cares. Or I read it and just like, you need to forgive your brother. Don't come to worship until you forgive him in your heart. Whoa, too close to home. (laughs) It's why we don't like to be there. But all of a sudden I looked in this and it was like this mirror being held up to me. Ah, Christ treats me. ah, I left with an entirely different outlook on the situation. Out of that time, I reengaged. I went into that meeting. I was able to run to conflict actually with a pure heart that was humbled by God and actually had a conversation that led to healing, not just more hostility. Some of you right now, if you're in a relationship that's tanking, maybe it's with your spouse, maybe it's with your coworker, here's why. You may be spending too much time talking to them or about them and not enough time hearing God's voice. See, so you can talk things through. That is helpful. We all know that. You have to, you have to run to conflict. Counseling, helpful. But sometimes the only thing powerful enough to change your heart, not just your mind, is God himself. The secret place is literally where God gives his warriors their weapons. In secret, we receive guidance from our Father. We receive actually the the, the supernatural power to love and forgive. And invite the life of Christ to actually be formed at the deeper places of our soul. That ain't going to happen in an hour on Sunday, okay? I'm sorry. You've got to fight for it. Who wants it? Now it's, it's like a tactical. Because if this week you want to jumpstart your secret life with God, it's like, well, what, what would that look like? And if you, it's really amazing here, the advice Jesus gives. It's not even advice. It's, it's training. It's instruction. Look at Matthew 6.6. 6. He highlights three qualities that a secret life should have. Surprisingly, they all begin with a P for ease of retention. Just kidding. I made him. practical, portable, and private. Okay. You look at Matthew 6, 6. It says, whenever you pray, right, go into your room. And first off, you notice that, that actually he, he expects that people make a daily practice of secrecy. He says, go into your room. It's portable. And then he says, close the door. In other words, it's private. Let me unpack each one. First off, practical. Your secret life has to be practical. Okay. In other words, maybe going to a stone retreat on the way to work. Isn't you. Notice how it says, go into your room. It doesn't actually say which kind of room. It could be in your house, could be school, your office, on the road. The idea is that you can withdraw in secret wherever and whenever. I, I happen to have found that stone retreat. It's in a park by my house on the way to work each morning. But maybe you don't have that. Maybe you take the train into the city, okay? But what if that train, I know as foul as it is, what if that was your 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 secret room? And instead of of that day, just, you know, just putting the paper up, you know, bound to keep everyone out or or doing emails on your crack break. What if you used your commute? I know this is crazy as your secret time with God for him to prepare you for what's on the end of the tunnel. Prepare my heart, father. I know these meetings is going to come fast and furious when it comes out of there, but you got to sharpen me right now. God, give me a word. Maybe it's at home. Maybe, maybe you stay at home with your kids and, and, and you don't have a lot of time, but there's this window, like 20 minutes, maybe where there's this, you know, they're at school or naps or something. And, and, and what if you didn't just use it to get more stuff done? You know, you get the hassle, but, but, but go actually withdraw in secret in the middle of the day to draw on the strength you're going to need for the rest of it. <laughs> Some versions actually say, go into your closet. Maybe you, if you've got young kids, maybe you need to go in that closet you got to lock that thing because those little buggers are going to be trying kind of clawed down. The point is it's got to be very practical or you won't do it. Secondly, portable. You can take it with you. Do not get wed to the location. Get wed to the discipline of, of stealing away. I do this wherever I am. I don't always go to the stone retreat by my house. Some days I actually, I'll go there, but I have several different locations, several different undisclosed locations. Sounds so Dick Cheney. It's bizarre. There's, there's one I go to. After you guys probably know this. Do you guys know where Florin Park is? In Florham Park, there's this wonderful park that's right by the municipal building there, by the library. It's got this huge green field. There's, like, a gazebo. It's, like, huge... During the week, like, nobody's there. So on, this is kind of funny. On Thursday, I go there for a little secret time about, you know, writing some of the message here. And so I go there. I got my iPod with me. You know, I plug that in. So I kind of, like, do my thing. Again, th- I don't have a prescription. They just film kind of what I do. That's why we made that video. It's like, all right, well, just do what you do. And I'm kind of worshiping there. And I kind of, when I pray, I don't, like, sit down just kind of on my knees with the hands. T- I'm, like, way too ADD for that. So I kind of pace. Back and forth. I'm just kind of pacing and walking across this field, you know, talking to God and and about all sorts of stuff. And then, you know, okay, now I'm going to go work on the message. So I open my laptop and sit down at a picnic table. And as I'm sitting there, I feel a tap on my shoulder. And and I look up and there are two policemen standing there. They go, You want to take the earphones off? I was like, Oh, yeah. Hey, what's going on? And uh, they go, "Uh, What are you doing here? I go, Actually, I'm working on uh, a message. I'm 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 actually like a pastor. And they go, Right. um, We got a phone call. Um, one of the neighbors reported seeing a man acting very suspiciously <laughs> this is Thursday. And I was like, Oh, re- really? And I like look around, like, you know, like <laughs> they're, they're like, yeah, they said that he was kind of talking to himself and gesticulating wildly as he walked around. He used the word gesticulating. Okay. Wildly. And I'm like, wow, that is suspicious. That's me. <laughs> they're like, yeah, you fit the description." I was like, oh, okay, I'm sorry, this is, this is kind of funny. I go, I'm a pastor, and I'm actually writing a message on prayer, kind of what it's like to be, you know, have a secret life with God, and I started, you know, talking to this thing, and they're like, okay, we're right. I was like, are they don't believe me. So I on my website, I actually brought, I brought up, I opened my laptop and, and, and showed them, our, like, our website, and, <laughs> and they look in at it, and there's this, like, little picture from last week, like the video from last week, and the one cop leans in, and he just, and he just goes, he goes, is that a sword you're holding? <laughs> I'm like, literally, I just set the I just go, this isn't helping me, is it? <laughs> Not really. So I, you know, I explained about Secret Life with God, warrior, and, and all that kind of stuff. And he's like, what kind of church is this? So I, you know, tell him and everything. And then one guy goes, all right. He goes, well, it, you know, it sounds different than my parish. That kind of sounds interesting. So I was like, well, do you want to come? I gave him a warrior card. Is he here? Are you here, officer? That would be amazing. God bless you. This is registered. That, that, uh, that'd be amazing point as Thursday. The point is your secret life is wherever, whenever it's got to be portable. You can spend time with God anywhere. You can go into your room and close the door. If you are stuck at Newark airport in the terminal or you're stuck in traffic, maybe it's your lunchtime at work. You actually take you spend that half hour walking around your building, you know, talking, talking to Jesus, just beware of the, the police, I guess, you know, Look at Jesus' invitation. What does he say? He says, find a quiet, secluded place in crupte. So you won't be tempted to role play before God because we always think we got an audience on, right? There's not a lot of places. When I'm here, I'm wearing the pastor hat. Uh, I go home, I'm wearing the father hat. I'm wearing the daddy hat. i got all the different hats. But this is the one place. Just be there as simply and honestly as you can manage. And the focus will shift from you to God and you'll begin to sense his grace. This is your father you're dealing with. And he knows better than you what you need. And that really leads us up to the last thing. It needs to be private. This is about you and him. You are giving your father access to the hidden places of you. It is the only place where you can be completely yourself, utterly naked and completely honest. This is far more than you can do with your life group. This is deeper than you can go with your closest friends. And now I'm going to go on a limb. This is deeper than you can ever go with your spouse. If you're looking to your spouse and putting that on them, that they're going to be the ones who are going to, no, 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 no. This is about a chi- becoming a child before your trusted father and believing actually that only before him you can be completely transparent no matter what you're going through. In his fantastic book on prayer, author Philip Yancey, actually, he, he notes how the Japanese, the Japanese have two words. I want to teach you two Japanese words that hint at the kind of divided self. Okay? Let's say this together, right? The tatamae. Tata ma'e, and the hong ne, hong ne. The tata ma'e refers to the part of ourselves that we let people see on the outside. But the hong ne is what takes place on the inside where nobody can see. That's how the Japanese refer to the two parts of us. So in other words, we have a tata ma'e that we project to other people here at church or to our colleagues at work, to officers in the park, or other casual acquaintances. But the hong ne is the vulnerable part that we only maybe let a few people see, maybe our best friends, maybe our, maybe our closest family members. Yancey suggests we need a third word for the secret places we actually only make known to God in secret. The unspeakable compartments of, 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 of shame or regret that we seal away from the outside world because Scripture says God looks on the what? On the heart. He penetrates the tatamae and he penetrates the hongne to where no one else can see. You guys know what happens in human relationships when you stay shallow, right? With casual friends, what do you talk about? weather, sports, you know, concerts, movies, whatever. But we steer clear of all the stuff that really matters. Like actually the hidden jealousy I kind of feel towards Utah or, or kind of the suppressed hurt that I'm kind of nursing with you, Tony, or, or kind of the resentment of, of how rude your kids are, uh, Monty, you know, Oh, <laughs> we don't talk about that. And guess what happens? Our relationship goes nowhere. It stays polite. But on the other hand, when we trust friends with secrets, what happens? Oh, the relationship deepens. Secrecy is the antidote to superficiality and it's the same thing with God. Unless we share our deeper secrets with God, bitterness actually over an unanswered prayer, grief over over loss or guilt over actually an unforgiving spirit, maybe you're angry about his absence, that relationship too will go nowhere. In other words, you can keep going to church, you can sing songs and you can keep addressing God politely in formal prayers, but you will never break through the intimacy barrier. Why? Because only enkrupte, in secret... Do we disrobe before God and say, have at me, have at all of me? Here's how C.S. Lewis puts it. He says, we must lay before him what is in us, not what ought to be in us. To put it another way, we have to tell God what he already knows about us and ask him to bring it to our awareness. I can't count the times that God has used our secret time together, kind of place a finger on a broken part of me or an immature part of my, uh, my character, hidden from your view very carefully, I might add, <laughs> but actually exposed in secret to God, where he revealed my own flaws and actually weak spots that he actually wanted at to, to rebuild. Uh, some of you might... You probably don't know this about me. Just a few years ago, I was a, um, I was a world-class people pleaser. <laughs> Are you shocked by this? I like people... <laughs> And I like approval like anybody else. There, it's out. That's a secret you didn't know about me. Does anyone identify with that? Just, just kind of, just kind of, okay. Thank you, James. Now, I'm not alone. James does too. No, no, I'm just kidding. People pleasing. And, and what happened early on in ministry, honestly, about five years ago, that people pleasing impulse in my life began affecting the decisions I was making as a leader, the conflicts I avoided as a husband in our, in our marriage, and even, in fact, the way that I preached. Why? Because my sense of worth was based on all the wrong questions. It was, so did you like the sermon? What do you think? Or, or, or did, I, did I do a good job at the wedding? What, 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 you know, did people like it? Or did they laugh at the funny story uh, that I told? Does everybody think I'm a good pastor? Do you notice where the focus, by the way, of those questions lies on, on what? On who? On, on me instead of God secrecy writes our focus. The focus literally shifts from me and my insecurities to God and the truth of who I am actually in Christ. And unless I spend time, people pleasing was a pretty good stronghold in my life. But God literally, he'd been calling that out. I began seeing it over and over, recurring themes. He's showing me and he starts leading me through scriptures. He's calling out very specifically. So I started doing this kind of word study in scripture and God revealed that people pleasing, actually, and this is what I was shocked about because I was just like, well, I just like people. He was like, no, it's actually an integrity issue. I remember this from your life group. Jesus' enemy said this about him. He said, teacher, we know that you are a man of what? Integrity. And that you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. You're the same person wherever you are. And then catch this. You aren't swayed by men because you pay what? No attention to who they are. And that thing stuck me in the face. like Ooh. And I began realizing I gave God, I give great attention to what men said about me. And the opinion of others actually had much greater weight than God's truth in my life. And so as I began opening up my life and bringing it before God in secret, asking him, would you repair these broken spots? to me?" slowly, very slowly, in secret, over time, God began to free me of my people-pleasing tendencies. Very slowly, in croupte, it began leading to freedom. He actually gave me verses like this one from Galatians. I remember kind of writing this down, where Paul said, I'm not trying to be a people-pleaser, I'm trying to please God. If I were still trying to please people, I would not be Christ's servant. And I began committing that to memory and see the secret place where we gain freedom from the sources of society that otherwise relentlessly will mold you. I want you to think of this as the secret place where God literally wants to train you and sculpt you into a warrior. It's where he breaks down and rebuilds the core of who we are into the image of his son. It's actually one of the main ways now that I I make decisions just in my life, and our family's life at church, in, in secret. What was once a, a flaw in my character is now actually a strength in my leadership, and that's not boasting just because it's something God done. I could not do this myself. But when I'm facing tough decisions, I actually, first, I retreat to my secret place with God and say, God, what is, I'm going to open this up. I'm going to assume I don't know anything because I want your perspective. I don't want to just go with what I think will work best or get the thumbs up from everybody else. If you struggle with image over integrity, what people think of you over what God thinks about you, the solution is secrecy. This week in your life groups, you'll be discussing your secret life with God. Beginning with a basic question, do you even have one? And do not be embarrassed if you don't. Because we expect actually many of you to struggle with this. So we're going to ask you to be honest with others, your hong Ne, because we're here to learn from one another and actually to train together. We are going to challenge you this fall to find a secret place and actually devote the next week to establishing that discipline. And and I understand, by the way, some of you are just like, oh, here we go. I mean, that's great for you, Tim. I mean, you're a pastor. It must be nice to have all the time in the world to pick flowers in a field all day. But my schedule is crazy. Why did I all of a sudden sound like Tom Kang? I'm crazy. I don't have the time. Here's the truth. None of us do. None of us have the time. But we all have choices. How many of you go to the gym? How many of you work out? You train train physically. Awesome. Some of you are like, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Every warrior understands the value of physical training. Scripture says physical training is good. But training for godliness is much better because it promised benefits in this life and in the life to come. It can happen anywhere, anytime, grasshopper. You literally have a master who is waiting To teach you. But you have to receive his invitation to more. It's saying more of me, less of you. Can you close your eyes for a minute? Everyone close their eyes. If you're on the internet, you're you're watching, just close your eyes. I want you to listen to your master's words. Here's what I want you to do. Find a secret, quiet, secluded place so you won't be tempted to role play before me. This is God talking to you. Just be there as simply and honestly as you can manage. The focus will shift from you to me and you will begin to sense my grace. God is waiting for you, mighty warrior. He is with you. May you be with him. Father, thank you so much for this invitation. We hear your voice, Father. It is a voice saying, come on in. Come further up. Come further in. Closer to me. Jesus, we want to lean in, and we want to learn from you, and we want to be changed. Less of us, God, more of you, in secret. Father, I ask right now for every man and woman um, who is in this room that you will use your truth right now to do something that they can't do themselves, to to transform them, Father. That this will be more than inspiration, Father, but it will be the catalyst you use to lead them to the next level in their spiritual maturity. Thank you for feeding us, Father. You have been so good to us. Teach us, Father, how to feed ourselves because we want to feed others and bless them and show them your way, the warrior way. We ask all these things in the name and strength of Jesus the Christ. And all God's people said together, amen.